Welcome to the College Prep Genius Radio Show, where we can answer all your questions about getting college for free. Today, your host is Gene Burke, the author of College Prep Genius, The No-Brainer Way to SAT Success, and you can find her at collegeprepgenius.com. And I'm the moderator, Felice Gerwitz. Welcome. With College Prep Genius, free college can happen to you. That's right. It's never too early to start thinking about test prep to secure your future. Imagine getting free tuition, room and board, free grad school, and more based on your SAT score. College Prep Genius is the key to free. This award-winning, nationally featured program teaches students the logic behind the SAT. You'll learn to answer every question in 30 seconds, raise your score as much as 600 points, and go to the college of your dreams for free. Visit College Prep Genius to know more. Hey everyone, welcome. This is Felice Gerwitz, and today with me on the line is Jean Burke. Jean Burke is everything college prep. You can find out more information about Jean at collegeprepgenius.com. And for the show notes for today's uh, podcast, you can go to collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast. And today's topic is secret college funding formula. Well, Jean, I'm looking forward to listening to this podcast. So I'm going to sit back and give you the floor. Well, thank you. And I'm excited about this particular seminar or podcast. Uh, because I think um, not knowing about college and, and the kind of money that is available or and, and how to use it, get that money or qualify is important. Um, I do want to have a disclaimer and say that, you know, I am not a financial planner. I'm not a CPA. Uh, you know, I'm not necessarily licensed to give financial advice. But what I can give you is what I have learned over the years, uh, you know, you know, basic presenting information for, uh, you know, the purpose of sharing knowledge with you. And, and I always tell everyone, you know, check out everything for yourself uh, because every, every family situation is unique and different and there's, you know, no one size fits all. So, um, but when it comes down to college and, and funding, there is this formula that every college uses basically, and it's called COA minus ESC equals need. So what does that mean? <clears throat> Excuse me, um, I've got allergies. Uh, COA is cost of attendance minus ESC, which is estimated family contribution, and that equals need. Now, need doesn't mean needy. It doesn't mean that you're destitute, that you're poor. It's just the, it's just the, the formula used to say, okay, this is basically what you need to go to this college. Um, and, and, and in most cases, it's very unrealistic. Uh, you know, when families uh, find out their ESC or their estimated family contribution, um, it's pretty, uh, it's almost a joke in most cases. And I think, uh, you know, the reality of paying for college is very different for everyone. Um, and, and the ESC can change according to a person's income. Uh, but a good chunk of our population falls into what we know as the middle class. Um, these are people who are often left with a completely unrealistic ESC. And so the higher your income, basically, the higher your ESC is going to be. 
And so we're going to talk about, you know, well, what do you do in, in that case? So there are two types of EFC, estimated family contribution. There is the FAFSA EFC. Um, this is where the federal government uses a formula to determine aid eligibility, uh, such as a Pell Grant or maybe subsidized loans. Um, and generally this is very published and very understandable. Um, and then there's also what's known as the institutional uh, EFC. And this is where each college determines its own formula for need-based aids you know, basically from the school itself. And, and, and sometimes they base it on the CSS, which is an, another form uh, that certain families have to fill out at certain colleges. Uh, but, but here's the key. Every family right now, no matter where you're at, no matter, you know, what grade your student's in or what socioeconomic um, situation that you're in, you can use what's called the net price calculator, NPC. Um, and basically use that to find out the cost of basically every single school and whether they offer certain aid. Now, net price calculator is very simple. You just go onto any search engine, you put the name of the school, and then you put the, the word net price calculator, and that's gonna help you to figure out what it costs to go to that school. It's something that, that's a school that you wanna put on your radar and seek out uh, you know, more information for your child to go there. Now, the amount of the EFC, EFC is for one school year. Uh, you're going to end up filing your FAFSA, and we've talked about the FAFSA before, but every year, basically annually. And, and of course, the tuition and the room and board usually tends to increase anywhere from 3 to 5% every year, sometimes faster than even the general inflation rate. Um, so the key is to know your FAO, your financial aid officer, because they can help you determine financial aid offers uh, so that, you know, you don't have to, you know, necessarily pay more than you have to. And hopefully, uh, you know, there's so many ways to go for free, which we've talked about many, many times, and we'll continue to talk about. So what does an ESC do? What does it calculate? Estimated family contribution. Well, what it takes into consideration are several areas. It takes in your, the parental income, uh, the parent assets, uh, student income, um, and, you know, student assets. How many families are there in your household? How many kids do you have enrolled in college? Um, and so it's important that you pay close attention to any of the FAFSA deadlines um, of the college. There, you know, they have a checklist every year for you, for you to go through. And we talk about you know doing the worksheets and all that. Now here we are. We're in early 2022. If you have not filled out your FAFSA, they, the opening day is October 1. And I'm a big proponent. And getting, you know, getting it filed on October one or closest to it as possible because, uh, you know, they have X amount of money. Everyone's entitled to some sort of aid, uh, but it's a first come first serve basis. So if you haven't done it, or if you think that you have uh, an income that's not going to qualify you, that doesn't matter. You still fill out your FAFSA. Everyone should fill it out. If you won the lottery, fill it out. Uh, you know, uh, no matter what your income is, because um, there's more than one type of aid. There's certainly the federal aid uh, that, you know, you may say, well, we don't, we make too much money to apply, you know, get the Pell Grant and all that. That's okay. There's still state aid and there's still institutional aid that you won't be able to be eligible for if you don't fill out the FAFSA. And, you know, we're talking, you know, incomes of 250000 or more. So uh, you definitely want to fill it out. Now, um, both the student and parent assets can affect the student's chances of getting some kind of grant or other financial needs based on age. 
Um, but you know, there's steps that you can take to help reduce the impact of assets on eligibility for, for need-based aid. Uh, one of the things is don't, you know, exceptions are your retirement funds. You know, these as a parental asset, you should not be disclosing any retirement funds, home equity, uh, small business information. Um, there, you know, there's the asset protection allowance that students have, uh, the parents have. Um, you know, there's ways to have less impact you know, when it comes to you as a parent. So a portion of the parental assets are sheltered not only by the parent uh, protection aid, uh, but it's also based on the age of the older parent. So any remaining assets tend to be assessed on a, a scale from anywhere from 2.64 to 5.64%. Now that's important to know because a student's assets are assessed at a rate of 20% um, and their income is uh, assessed at 50%. So this is why it's important we talk about you know, lowering, you know, certain things so that you don't get docked for it. So nevertheless, parent assets will still have less of an impact uh, on aid eligibility than a student's asset. So, you know, again, money should be in a parent's name when it comes to uh, the time you fill out the FAFSA. Now, <clears throat> as a parent, holding the assets rather than letting your students hold it uh, is going to help you, you know, be calculated at that lower rate. So 20% students' assets, 50% for income over $7,000. And of course, that excludes any work studies or any co-op income uh, that, that they may be receiving. Uh, so if your student has saved money, let's, you know, you, you, what you can do, and again, I'm not a financial aid expert, so make sure that I'm just giving you uh, for instructional, uh, you know, purposes only, informational purposes only, um, if your student has many, you know, you might consider something like a minor Roth account or a Roth IRA. Um, it's not going to affect, affect the FAFSA. Uh, now, if it's withdrawn after the spring of the sophomore year in college, uh, that's, that's a, a big key. And, you know, the contribution is not going to exceed the earnings of that year. So, you know, if your child has earned income, then he or she can contribute that to that Roth IRA. Uh, earned income is defined by the IRS as taxable income and wages or money money earned that comes from a W-2 job. So um, that's that's one way to look at it to see if your child is going to qualify in that area. Uh, any students' assets or money that they that they have saved, um, you definitely want to use that up or have them use that up to pay for any college expenses. Maybe they need to get a computer, a car, you know, or, or, or whatever. Uh, it's going to be counted against them. You know, uh, so you need to do this months before filling out any financial aid packages. So what's the key is what's called the base year. I call it the BY, the base year. That is the beginning of the sophomore, of your student's sophomore year. That is when, because when you file your FAFSA, they are going to use your income tax known as what's called the prior prior or two years before which is the year where your students will be, you know, that early sophomore, January of their sophomore year. So, you know, there are things that you can do to spend your assets strategically. Um, if there's any leftover assets, you know, in the student's name, you know, you want to spend that down for college expenses um, that will prevent it from affecting any kind of age, age eligibility that they may have gotten, uh, you know, depending on where they're at. Um, so that's important. Um, you know, you can, no matter where you're at, where whatever grade your kids are in right now, 
um, you can find out your EFC, your estimated family contribution, uh, by going to the College Board website. They have a free calculator that, uh, or you can just Google, you know, big college future, college board, or EFC calculator, and you can get, get kind of a good idea. That way, you can have that strategic planning uh, to lower that, hopefully uh, lower the EFC. Uh, again, ideally, you want to start looking at any college funding no later than the ninth grade uh, to develop that before they become that sophomore. So if your EFC ends up being zero, uh, this is really where the difference comes in for most people. Uh, but in reality, the EFC is not really going to matter unless the school is going to meet that that need of your student. So then at that point, you tend to qualify for what's known as the Pell Grant. So um, a school that meets school need will have their own formula to determine any institutional funding. Uh, so, so if your AGI or your adjusted gross income is you know, 26,000, then your ESC is going to be calculated at zero. And that way you qualify for the maximum, maximum amount of the, of, of the Pell Grant. So I think it's important, no matter what grade your student is, it's just, you can find out that kind of information uh, you know, right now. So to lower the ESC, and, and by the way, the ESC is, is, is income driven. And so having said that, if you are in a situation where in your student's base year, again, that January of that sophomore year in high school, uh, to take a big bonus uh, at your work, um, then you might consider you know, delaying that until after that base year. Uh, it's, you know, again, this is the calendar year that spans the student's sophomore year into the fall of the junior year, which is going to be the prior prior. Any income changes that you end up making before January will have the biggest impact of aid, especially if you, you know, have any kind of businesses. So oftentimes people don't think about financial aid until it's too late. Maybe the senior year when they're filling out the FAFSA, they try to make some changes and it isn't necessarily going to do it do a lot of good at that point. So that's why you want to you know, plan, plan ahead. Um, the reason that you want to lower your EFC if possible is it helps to increase need base. Uh, but again, it's dominated by the income and that sometimes is not something that you can actually change. But there's a lot of other things that you can do. So uh, do, do keep that in mind. I'm just kind of giving you uh, some ideas. So if you have a student right now that's in that base year or maybe next year or the year after, uh, one of the things you want to do to avoid is don't don't take any kind of retirement distributions in that that base year. Uh, that's going to be used against you for the FAFSA. Uh, it's going to be added directly to your income. So uh, now there's going to be changes. The FAFSA is changing in 2023, so we've got about a year and a half, uh, somewhere around July of 2023. Uh, but right now, during your base years, you want to minimize any capital gains uh, starting in that January, the freshman year before you get that sophomore year, uh, minimizing any parental income. Uh, that, you know, Basically, parental income is eight times more effective in lowering the EFC if you can do that than in minimizing any parental assets. Uh, college savings should be in the parent's name, not the student's name. You know, if necessary, you need to move that money around before that, before, you know, again, that base year. Um, maximizing any contributions to any 401ks, um, Again, before uh, that that year ending in your student's base year, uh, and and there are legitimate loopholes, you know. And what, that's what we want to do. We don't want to do anything unethical. Uh, 
like I said earlier, you know, using up any students' assets to pay for the college expenses. Uh, at this point right now, you can leverage by having two or more students in college. It works in your favor. That sadly is going to change in July of 2023. So if you have the opportunity right now to get two kids into college before it happens, that's, that's, that's going to be used for your advantage. Um, there's actually things that you can do, like gifting your grandparents or aunts or uncles or cousins up to $15,000 each. And, you know, no need to file a gift tax. So in other words, married parents can shift $30,000 to each grandparent. Uh, in return, they can contribute those funds to the students if they have a 529. So, uh, you know, again, you, you want to confirm everything, you know, with a financial advisor. Uh, but again, the money should be used for the student's sophomore year uh, in college, sophomore, junior year. So it's not counted as income. Uh, you can shift cash into a 529 plan if your state gives you that state tax deduction, uh, front loading, any kind of retirement savings, you know, account balances, you know, uh, aren't assessed. You know, retirement account contributions are not deducted from your income uh, for the FAFSA purposes. So, you know, they're only deducted for the IRS purposes or use for them. So ideally, the best goal when it comes to the secret college funding formula is you want to have a high COA, a high cost of attendance, and a low ESC. That is the goal. You want, what you want to avoid is a low COA and a high ESC. Uh, you know, again, running that net price calculator can really help you uh, get the price after any, any calculated any grants or any scholarships or non-funding that's factored in is going to really help you. So ultimately it comes down to a couple different types of funding. There's the need-based aid, and then there's the merit-based aid. And so merit is based on something accomplishment, whether it's your GPA, your test scores, sports, and music. Um, and then need-based is all around your income, calculated by your family's ability to contribute against the COA. Uh, so the majority of the need-based funding is through the federal government. Merit-based aid is generally given uh, through funding from the college, regardless of any social economic situations or income. So, you know, wherever you live doesn't, you know, doesn't hinder, you know, merit money is not, is not based on, you know, your zip code or, you know, uh, what, you know, any money that you have or don't have. So merit-based scholarships uh, basically awarded generally by the, con the, the college or the private institution. Now, each, each college does have a budget for merit age, aid to give out scholarship money uh, to entice students to come to that college uh, based on, you know, some sort of gift or attribute, test scores, uh, you know, athletic ability, artistic talent, that sort of thing. Uh, again, having nothing to do with income. Now, state schools traditionally don't have the budget to offer a lot of merit scholarships. They, now, with, with the exception, I will tell you, of the National Merit Scholarship Program. So yeah, if your student scores high on their PSAT and gets national merit, uh, then most state schools will just kind of roll out the red carpet and give you just about anything that you want. So keep that in mind. Um, but they will often offer you know, some sort of money, uh, but you know, it's hard to really get the big full rides uh, from state schools on, uh, on merit. Um, however, private colleges tend to be more generous uh, and motivated to offer merit scholarships uh, 
to bring even sometimes bring the bill down to like a equal to a state school or less. Uh, the only really private schools that don't offer mayor scholarships are the ones that are already ranked high high in our nation. You know, this being your Ivy League, your top tier schools. Um, they don't need to use scholarships to recruit the best and the brightest students, as they would call it. Uh, they already have those top students. Uh, in, that, in that case, they tend to be extremely generous with more need-based aid, uh, you know, and then, you know, or what, what's often known as what's called uh, cost containment programs uh, based on your income. Now, a lot of colleges will consider forty to $60,000 low income, but Stanford, Princeton, you know, they consider $140,000 low income. Uh, even Harvard has what's called um, grading scale tuition. And that is where uh, you, if you can qualify to get into Harvard, then you only have to pay 10%. If, if your income is between 120 and $150,000, $60,000, then you pay 10% of your income. So, uh, for example, let's say you make $120,000, um, then that's $12,000 to go to Harvard, which can be cheaper than junior college uh, in many cases. So sometimes it's a really good option, uh, it, it, you know, again, as long as you, you can get in. So if you fall into the majority where most of us fall into here in America, and that is called you're caught in the middle, you know, you're in that middle income bracket, what you want to do is chase merit. Um, and that means you're going to look for schools where your students are above the 75th percentile uh, on their stats. Well, how do you find that? How in the world do you find schools where you're going, your students are going to you know, fit into that category? Well, there's a really cool thing called this common data set, CDS, common data set. And you can go on there and look for schools. And this, this is information that's been reported by the schools and which will basically uh, sh show what, you know, what the stats are for each school. And that's where you're going to find your, you know, where your students should apply. And that's where, you, you know, where you can get the big, the big money, the big full tuition, full, full ride for everything uh, in many cases. So um, schools that have a lot of need-based aid tend to have less merit. So this is why I use that common data set. You can find the institutional stats uh, to find out where your students' SATs and ACT scores are above that 25 percentile. Um, you, you know, even if you're in the middle class too, you can also look into those renewable in-state tuition schools. Uh, you can look into state-issued grants. Uh, I think a really important thing as a parent to teach our kids um, is to really become best friends with the FAA, FAO of the school, the, the financial aid officer. Um, you know, by being their best friend, by bringing them donuts, bringing them coffee, you know, um, they tend to often have databases of scholarships um, that's not readily publicized. And just by having that relationship, you can say, hey, are there any new scholarships or is there something that I can apply for? Or they may even tell you them, themselves. Um, so you want to do that. I've seen, I've, I've taught people that and, and gotten full rides to call you. Know, they don't say, I don't have to pay anything. You know, my, my FAO lets me know when there's something out there that nobody knows about. So uh, I think that's important. Now, if you have a student with high stats, um, you know, one of the things too is to not rule out early decision or even restricted early action or single early action uh, because a lot of these elite deep pocketed need blind admissions colleges can meet up to 100% of need, uh, you know, with no loans because they are very heavily endowed. 
so sometimes even the Ivy Leagues can be uh, more affordable or even free if you fit into the, you know, into that bracket there. So you want to find the school that, you know, you best fit financially. So if you're in that middle, middle, even, you know, high income, you know, you can find schools that will meet anywhere from full tuition up to a full ride plus, you know, they might even give you grad school money or honors dorms. Uh, let me give you some examples. Alabama State will offer what's called the Presidential Academic Scholarship. Now, they will offer a full ride plus a lot of extra bonuses for a student who has a 26 ACT or a 1240 SAT. That's going to put you, you know, up into that 75th percentile. Now, now some of these colleges do also have other factors that they may look at your GPA or, you know, have competitive or more automatic scholarships. So that varies. Uh, you've got Mount St. Mary's uh, in California. They, they will give the founder scholarship and, and pay all your tuition based on a 23 ACT or 1150 SAT. Again, putting you in that 75th percentile. Uh, Howard University in Washington, D.C. has the Bison STEM Scholar and they will give you up to a full ride on a 26 ACT or a 1250 SAT, you know, putting you above the high ranking there. Uh, the University of Hawaii, now who doesn't want to go to Hawaii, has a Regent Scholarship where they'll pay full tuition plus a lot more based on a 29 ACT or 1340 SAT. So, you know, again, that's just a few. I will have a long list of these uh, in my new upcoming uh, membership book that will be out soon on so many ways to go to college for free. Uh, you know, again, if your student falls into more of that need-based income where you're in what's called, you know, lower income, then, uh, you know, you're going to be looking for the grants uh, that are offered by the lower income, by the low income need-based colleges, uh, you know, depending on where you're at. Now, if you, again, like I said, 40 to 60,000 is generally known as low income, but, you know, Again, other colleges consider even higher than that. Uh, but if you are somewhere in there, you know, there are some programs that you can seek out uh, that may have a high figure price. But, you know, if you prepare correctly, you know, they may have a low acceptance rate, but, you know, you could be accepted. You know, again, working on the GPA and the test scores are what's, you know, the very basics to get into college. But here's some programs that I want to share with you. Um, if your students, if you, your family does fall into more of that low income, uh, Emerge is a program that empowers and it, prepare, it prepares high-performing students uh, from under, this, uh, underserved communities to attend uh, schools for free at selective colleges. Uh, QuestBridge, a national college match program for low-income uh, students who can fit academically. Uh, Scholar Match, College Possible. Um, I mean, there's just so many of them out there uh, that you can take advantage of. Uh, so. Financially, for your best fit, low income, looking for need-based funding, um, there are around 400 colleges that will meet up to 100% of need. So if you also fall into where your student has really high stats, high, high SAT score, ACT scores, um, and you can get free college to some of the top 25% colleges in our, in our nation uh, with, with your stats. So you know, just kind of giving you an idea uh, that Caltech will meet up to 100% uh, 
of need. Um, so will Harvey Med, Occidental College, uh, Scripps, uh, you know, U USC, uh, Stanford, you know, again, that, those fall into some of those 400 colleges that will meet up to 100% of need. The other thing too, uh, you know, when you've got that low income, you know, you can get into colleges and not pay anything from Amherst to, you know, Boston University, Carleton, Cornell, Dartmouth, you know, the, the list goes on and on. So no matter where your students fall, you know, when we're talking about the college funding formula, there is a college for your students that can be a free college or nearly free. Just what you have to do ultimately is find out your starting point. What is your starting point? That is your ESC, estimated family contribution. How can you do that? Well, go on to the college board website, ESC calculator, and find that out. Now, then you're going to find out what colleges cost. How do you do that? Well, Google the name of the college and net price calculator gives you an idea. Now, once you find out where you are at financially, if you're in that low income bracket, then you want to seek out colleges that give need-based aid. If you're falling into that middle to, e middle to even high income, now you're looking for merit. And you wanna find those colleges where your students' SAT, ACT scores, their stats are above the 75th percentile to hopefully find those full rides to college. So um, it all starts with a test score. You know, I, I may teach test prep, but I didn't make up the rules, they did. And I just show you how to beat the game. And so it's important to find out where your kids are when it comes to testing, because that's gonna start not only the college entrance um, ball rolling, but also starting to get the scholarship money and the higher the scores, the more scholarship money your child's going to get because of their, the college rankings and how you could make, make the school look good. So test prep, how do you find out where you're at? If you have not, if your child has not taken a test, and you don't have a baseline score, that's where you want to begin. You can very simply go on the College Board website or even the ACT website, and they have free tests. I do recommend that your child take a free test. Download it, print it out, take it, get a starting point. Now that you know where you're at, you can now say, okay, here's where we're at, but we also know that to go to XYZ College, and to be above that 75th percentile, we need to be at this score. And that helps you have a game plan. And so the good news is whether your child is, it considers themselves a good test taker or even a bad test taker, it does not matter. Every student can beat an SAT or ACT because these are logic tests. And logic is not a personality trait. It's a trained skill. So your kids can become trained test takers by knowing that they are standardized tests with standardized questions and standardized answers. And so learning the recurring pattern and learning the logic and to look at the questions very critically uh, is the key to beating these tests. And once you know the recurring pattern, then it's really just practicing correctly. And we've been teaching that for 17 years uh, with students who have raised their scores exponentially, even as much as 700 points on the SAT and nine points on the ACT. We have a lot of students who have National Merit Scholars, who have been accepted and even gone to Ivy Leagues for free uh, and lots of students who scored in the top 1% on the CLT. So we're really honored and blessed to be able to show, share with families uh, at a very affordable price. Uh, price. We, 
just won two more awards. Uh, we have tw 23 unsolicited awards that we've won. Uh, Kathy Duffy has reviewed our program. So has the Old Schoolhouse Magazine. Uh, we are the official test prep for HSLBA. We are the official test prep for CL the CLT. Uh, Heidi St. John has used our program. Um, so we, you know, we have been around for a long time and, you know, don't just take my word for it, you know, look for independent reviews uh, and watch test video testimonies on our website uh, just to, to, to encourage you that, that these tests are beatable. Uh, we have uh, an online e-course that is a self-paced for students to just go through and do it at their own time. We show you, you know, the patterns of the tests and why the right answers are right, why the wrong ones are wrong how to stop second guessing yourself and overthinking the questions, how to answer questions in 30 seconds or less. Um, we have uh, virtual boot camps that you can go online uh, and still interact with our professional teachers, ask questions and learn the program that way. And then we've also have our live boot camps that we had taught all over the world, literally not just in America um, and every about every state, but also we, uh, you know, I've started to resume those, you know, sort of this post pandemic, hopefully that we're in. Uh, and we do have some already that we're teaching, but it, it's a slow go, but people are coming back around and saying, listen, we're, we're waking up, we're, you know, we're getting back to normal and we want to host the class. So if you are there in your city, your state, maybe even you're in a different country and you say, I'd love to have College of Genius come and do a live in-person class and teach our kids. Uh, then let us know if you host it, you get your kids for free. The the class is generally two days, uh, really fun, uh, interactive boot camp, and the kids get our e course as a bonus, so they get to go back over and hear everything again and again, uh, just to solidify the information that they're going to apply it appropriately. Because you're only going to retain about ten percent of what you hear the first time, so we want to make sure that you get it down and you can beat this test. Uh, but let us know. Contact us. Call us email us, say, hey, I want you to come here. You know, I've heard about you. We have, most of our uh, referrals are word of mouth uh, and how we've been able to teach in so many different places. But, you know, contact us. You can do that through our website. Uh, you can go um, to collegeprepgenius.com forward slash host and uh, just fill out a form and we'll, we'll call you and answer any questions you may have. Uh, email us info at collegeprepgenius.com um, or give us a call, 817-282-7737. Uh, and we'd love to just give you some more information and love to come to your city and state and uh, teach your kids on how to be assessed and get big scholarship money. So as I said, it all begins with test scores, but hopefully the college funding formula, uh, secret funding formula has helped you uh, to just get a start on where to begin when it comes to you know, applying for college as well as, uh, you know, getting that funding that's needed. So let me know if I can answer any questions that I may have missed and uh, really appreciate your time and uh, thankful that you listened in, you know, let everybody know that, you know, this college experience, you know, we know we've got it down we can, we, and we can help you. So thank you so much. And uh, I will uh, be back next time. 
Well, thanks so much for listening to the College Prep Genius Radio Show. You can find more episodes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast or listen on iTunes, on your favorite podcast app, on your phone, on your computer, or on the go. Remember, visit collegeprepgenius.com for more information and we'll see you soon.